Section 11 of The Confidence Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by M.B. The Confidence Man, His Masquerade by Herman Melville. Chapter 21. A Hard Case. Yarbs, yarbs, nature, nature, you old foolish file, you. He diddled you with that hocus-pocus, did he? Yarbs and nature will cure your incurable cough, you think. It was a rather eccentric-looking person who spoke, somewhat ursine in aspect, sporting a shaggy spencer of the cloth called bear's skin, a high-peaked cap of raccoon skin, the long bushy tail switching over behind, rawhide leggings, grim stubble chin, and, to end, a double-barreled gun in hand a Missouri bachelor, a Hoosier gentleman, of Spartan leisure and fortune, and equally Spartan manners and sentiments, and, as the sequel may show, not less acquainted, in a Spartan way of his own, with philosophy and books than with woodcraft and rifles. He must have overheard some of the talk between the miser and the herb-doctor, for, just after the withdrawal of the one, he made up to the other, now at the foot of the stairs, leaning against the baluster there, with the greeting above. "'Think it will cure me?' coughed the miser in echo. "'Why shouldn't it? The medicine is natural yarbs, pure yarbs. Yarbs must cure me.' "'Because a thing is natural, as you call it, you think it must be good. But who gave you that cough? Was it, or was it not, nature?' "'Sure, you don't think that nature, dame nature, will hurt a body, do you?' "'Nature is good Queen Bess. But who's responsible for the cholera?' "'But yarbs! Yarbs! Yarbs are good!' "'What's deadly nightshade? Yarb, ain't it?' "'Oh, that a Christian man should speak again nature and yarbs! <coughs> ain't sick men sent out into the country?' Set out to nature and grass? Aye, and poets send out the sick spirit to green pastures, like lame horses turned out unshod to the turf to renew their hooves. A sort of yarb doctors in their way, poets have it that for sore hearts, as for sore lungs, nature is the grand cure. But who froze to death my teamster on the prairie? And who made an idiot of Peter the Wild Boy? Then you don't believe in these ere yarb doctors? Yarb doctors? I remember the lank yarb doctor I saw once on a hospital cot in Mobile. One of the faculty, passing round and seeing who laid there, said with a professional triumph, Ah, Dr. Green, your yarbs don't help you now, Dr. Green. Have you come to us in the mercury now, Dr. Green? Nature, yarbs. "'Did I hear something about herbs and herb-doctors?' here said a flute-like voice, advancing. It was the herb-doctor in person. Carpet-bag in hand, he happened to be strolling back that way. "'Pardon me,' addressing the Missourian, "'but if I caught your words aright, you would seem to have little confidence in nature, which really, in my way of thinking, looks like carrying the spirit of distrust pretty far.' "'And who of my sublime species may you be?' turning round short upon him, clicking his rifle-lock, with an air which would have seemed half-cynic, half-wildcat, were it not for the grotesque excess of the expression, which made its sincerity appear more or less dubious. 
one who has a confidence in nature and confidence in man with some little modest confidence in himself that's your confession of faith is it confidence in man eh pray which do you think are most knaves or fools having met with few or none of either i hardly think i am competent to answer i will answer for you fools are most why do you think so for the same reason that i think oats are numerically more than horses don't knaves munch up fools just as horses do oats a droll sir you are a droll i can appreciate drollery ha 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 but i'm in earnest ah that's the drollery to deliver droll extravagance with an earnest air knaves munching up fools as horses oats faith very droll indeed <laughs> yes i think i understand you now sir how silly i was to have taken you seriously in your droll conceits too about having no confidence in nature in reality you have just as much as i have i have confidence in nature i i say again there is nothing i am more suspicious of i once lost ten thousand dollars by nature nature embezzled that amount from me absconded with ten thousand dollars worth of my property a plantation on this stream swept clean away by one of those sudden shiftings of the banks in a freshet ten thousand dollars worth of alluvian thrown broad off upon the waters but have you no confidence that by a reverse shifting that soil will come back after many days ah here is my venerable friend observing the old miser not in your berth yet pray if you will keep a foot don't lean against that baluster take my arm it was taken and the two stood together the old miser leaning against the herb-doctor with something of that air of trustful fraternity with which when standing the less strong of the siamese twins habitually leans against the other the missourian eyed them in silence which was broken by the herb-doctor you look surprised sir is it because i publicly take under my protection a figure like this but i am never ashamed of honesty whatever his coat look you said the missourian after a scrutinizing pause you're a queer sort of chap don't know exactly what to make of you upon the whole though you somewhat remind me of the last boy i had on my place good trustworthy boy i hope oh very i am now started to get me made some kind of machine to do the sort of work which boys are supposed to be fitted for then you have passed a veto upon boys and men too but my dear sir does that not again imply more or less lack of confidence uh, stand up a little just a very little my venerable friend you, you lean rather hard no confidence in boys no confidence in men no confidence in nature pray sir who or what may you have confidence in i have confidence in distrust more particularly as applied to you and your herbs well with a forbearing smile that is frank but pray don't forget that when you suspect my herbs you suspect nature didn't i say that before very good for the argument's sake i will suppose you are in earnest now can you who suspect nature deny that this same nature 
not only kindly brought you into being, but has faithfully nursed you to your present vigorous and independent condition? Is it not to nature that you are indebted for that robustness of mind which you so unhandsomely use to her scandal? Pray, is it not to nature that you owe the very eyes by which you criticize her? No, for the privilege of vision I am indebted to an oculist, who in my tenth year operated upon me in Philadelphia. Nature made me blind and would have kept me so. My oculist counterplotted her. And yet, sir, by your complexion I judge you live an out-of-door life. Without knowing it, you are partial to nature. You fly to nature, the universal mother. Very motherly. Sir, in the passion fits of nature, I've known birds fly from nature to me, rough as I look. Yes, sir, in a tempest, refuge here, smiting the folds of his bearskin. Fact, sir, fact. Come, come, Mr. Palaverer. For all your palavering, did you yourself never shut out nature of a cold, wet night? Bar her out, bolt her out, lint her out? As to that, said the herb-doctor calmly, much may be said. Say it, then, ruffling all his hairs. You can't, sir, can't. Then, as in apostrophe, look you, nature. I don't deny but your clover is sweet and your dandelions don't roar. But whose hailstones smashed my windows? Sir, with an unimpaired affability producing one of his boxes, I am pained to meet with one who holds nature a dangerous character. Though your manner is refined, your voice is rough. In short, you seem to have a sore throat. In the calumniated name of nature, I present you with this box. My venerable friend here has a similar one. But to you, a free gift, sir. Through her regularly authorized agents, of whom I happen to be one, nature delights in benefiting those who most abuse her. Pray take it. Away with it, don't hold it so near. Ten to one there is a torpedo in it. Such things have been. Editors been killed that way. Take it off further, I say. Good heavens! My dear sir, I tell you I want none of your boxes, snapping his rifle. Oh, take it, <coughs> do take it, chimed in the old miser. I wish you would give me one for nothing. You find it lonely, eh, turning short round. Gold yourself, you would have a companion. How can he find it lonely, returned the herb-doctor, or how desire a companion, when here I stand by him? I, even I, in whom he has trust. For the gulling, tell me, is it humane to talk so to this poor old man? Granting that his dependence on my medicine is vain, is it kind to deprive him of what, in mere imagination, if nothing more, may help eke out with hope his disease? For you, if you have no confidence, and, thanks to your native health, can get along without it, so far at least as trusting in my medicine goes, Yet how cruel an argument to use with this afflicted one here! Is it not for all the world as if some brawny pugilist aglow in December should rush in and put out a hospital fire because, forsooth, he feeling no need of artificial heat, the shivering patients shall have none? Put it to your conscience, sir, and you will admit that, whatever be the nature of this afflicted one's trust, you, in opposing it, evince neither an erring head or a heart amiss. 
Come, Owen, are you not pitiless? Yes, poor soul, said the Missourian, gravely eyeing the old man. Yes, it is pitiless in one like me to speak too honestly to one like you. You are a late sitter-up in this life, past man's usual bedtime, and truth, though with some it makes a wholesome breakfast, proves to all a supper too hearty. Hearty food taken late gives bad dreams. What in wonder's name <coughs> is he talking about? asked the old miser, looking up to the herb-doctor. Heaven be praised for that, cried the Missourian. Out of his mind, ain't he? again appealed the old miser. Pray, sir, said the herb-doctor to the Missourian, for what were you giving thanks just now? For this, that with some minds truth is, in effect, not so cruel a thing after all, seeing that, like a loaded pistol found by poor devils of savages, it raises more wonder than terror, its peculiar virtue being unguessed, unless, indeed, by indiscreet handling it should happen to go off of itself. I pretend not to divine your meaning there, said the herb-doctor after a pause, during which he eyed the Missourian with a kind of pinched expression, mixed of pain and curiosity, as if he grieved at his state of mind, and, at the same time, wondered what had brought him to it. But this much I know, he added, that the general cast of your thoughts is, to say the least, unfortunate. There is strength in them, but a strength whose source, being physical, must wither. You will yet recant. Recant? Yes, when, as with this old man, your evil days of decay come on, when a hoary captive in your chamber, then will you, something like the dungeoned Italian we read of, gladly seek the breast of that confidence begot in the tender time of your youth, blessed beyond telling if it return to you in age. Go back to nurse again, eh? Second childhood, indeed, you are soft. Mercy, mercy, cried the old miser. What is all this? <coughs> Do talk some sense, my good friends. Ain't you, to the Missourian, going to buy some of that medicine? Pray, my venerable friend, said the herb-doctor, now trying to straighten himself, don't lean quite so hard. My arm grows numb. Abate a little. Just a very little. Go, said the Missourian, go lay down in your grave, old man, if you can't stand of yourself. It's a hard world for a leaner. As to his grave, said the herb-doctor, that is far enough off, so he but faithfully take my medicine. <coughs> he says true. No, I ain't. <coughs> I'm going to die yet. <coughs> Many years to live yet. <coughs> I approve your confidence, said the herb-doctor, but your coughing distresses me, besides being injurious to you. Pray, let me conduct you to your berth. You are best there. Our friend here will wait till my return, I know. With which he led the old miser away, and then, coming back, the talk with the Missourian was resumed. Sir, said the herb-doctor, with some dignity and more feeling, now that our infirm friend is withdrawn, allow me to the full to express my concern at the words you allowed to escape you in his hearing. 
some of those words of i earn not besides being calculated to beget deplorable distrust in the patient seemed fitted to convey unpleasant imputations against me his physician suppose they did with a menacing air why then then indeed respectfully retreating i fall back upon my previous theory of your general facetiousness i have the fortune to be in company with a humorist a wag fall back you had better and wag it is cried the missourian following him up and wagging his raccoon tail almost into the herb doctor's face look you at what at this coon can you the fox catch him if you mean returned the other not unself-possessed whether i flatter myself that i can in any way dupe you or impose upon you or pass myself off upon you for what i am not i as an honest man answer that i have neither the inclination nor the power to do aught of the kind honest man seems to me you talk more like a craven you in vain seek to pick a quarrel with me or put any affront upon me the innocence in me heals me a healing like your own nostrums but you are a queer man a very queer and dubious man upon the whole about the most so i ever met the scrutiny accompanying this seemed unwelcome to the diffidence of the herb doctor as if at once to attest the absence of resentment as well as to change the subject he threw a kind of familiar cordiality into his air and said so you are going to get some machine made to do your work philanthropic scruples doubtless forbid your going as far as new orleans for slaves slaves morose again in a twinkling won't have em bad enough to see whites a-duckin and grinnin round me for a favor without having those poor devils and niggers congeein round for their corn though to me the niggers are the freer of the two you are an abolitionist ain't you he added squaring himself with both hands on his rifle used for a staff and gazing in the herb doctor's face with no more reverence than if it were a target you are an abolitionist ain't you as to that i cannot so readily answer if by abolitionist you mean a zealot i am none but if you mean a man who being a man feels for all men slaves included and by any lawful act opposed to nobody's interest and therefore rousing nobody's enmity would willingly abolish suffering supposing it in its degree to exist from among mankind irrespective of color then i am what you say pickled and prudent sentiments you are the moderate man the invaluable understrapper of the wicked man you the moderate man may be used for wrong but you are useless for right from all this said the herb doctor still forgivingly i infer that you a missourian though living in a slave state are without slave sentiments ay but are you is not that air of yours so spiritlessly enduring and yielding the very air of a slave who's your master pray or are you owned by a company my master ay for come from maine or georgia you come from a slave state and a slave pen where the best breeds are to be bought up at any price from a livelihood to the presidency abolitionism ye gods but expresses the fellow-feeling of slave for slave 
the backwoods would seem to have given you rather eccentric notions now with polite superiority smiled the herb-doctor still with manly intrepidity forbearing each unmanly thrust but to return since for your purpose you will have neither man nor boy bond nor free truly then some sort of machine for you is all there is left my desires for your success attend you sir ah here is cape girardeau i must leave you chapter twenty two in the polite spirit of the tusculan disputations philosophical intelligence office novel idea but how did you come to dream that i wanted anything in your absurd line eh about twenty minutes after leaving cape girardeau the above was growled out over his shoulder by the missourian to a chance stranger who had just accosted him a round-backed baker-kneed man in a mean five-dollar suit wearing collar-wise by a chain a small brass plate inscribed p i o and who with a sort of canine deprecation slunk obliquely behind how did you come to dream that i wanted anything in your line eh oh respected sir whined the other crouching a pace nearer and in his obsequiousness seeming to wag his very coat-tails behind him shabby though they were oh sir from long experience one glance tells me the gentleman who is in need of our humble services but suppose i did want a boy what they jocosely call a good boy how could your absurd office help me philosophical intelligence office yes respected sir an office founded on strictly philosophical and physio look you come up here how by philosophy or physiology either make good boys to order come up here don't give me a crick in the neck come up here sir come sir come calling as if to his pointer tell me how put the requisite assortment of good qualities into a boy as the assorted mints into the pie respected sir our office you talk much of that office where is it on board this boat oh no sir i just came aboard our office came aboard at that last landing eh pray do you know a herb doctor there smooth scamp in a snuff-colored surtout oh sir i was but a sojourner at cape girardeau though now that you mention it a snuff-colored surtout i think i met such a man as you speak of stepping ashore as i stepped aboard and appears to me i have seen him somewhere before looks to me a very mild christian sort of person i should say do you know him respected sir not much but better than you seem to proceed with your business with a low shabby bow as grateful for the permission the other began our office look you broke in the bachelor with ire have you the spinal complaint what are you ducking and groveling about keep still where's your office the branch one which i represent is at alton sir in the free state we now pass pointing somewhat proudly ashore free eh you a freeman you flatter yourself with those coat-tails and that spinal complaint of servility free just cast up in your private mind who is your master will you oh oh oh, oh I, I don't understand indeed indeed but respected sir as before said our office 
founded on principles wholly new to the devil with your principles bad sign when a man begins to talk of his principles hold, hold come back sir back here back sir back i tell you no more boys for me nay i'm a mede and persian in my old home in the woods i'm pestered enough with squirrels weasels chipmunks skunks i want no more wild vermin to spoil my temper and waste my substance don't talk of boys enough of your boys a plague of your boys chillblains on your boys as for intelligence offices i've lived in the east and know em swindling concerns kept by low-born cynics under a fawning exterior wreaking their cynic malice upon mankind you are a fair specimen of em oh dear 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 yes a thrice dear purchase one of your boys would be to me a rot on your boys but respected sir if you will not have boys might we not in our small way accommodate you with a man accommodate pray no doubt you could accommodate me with a bosom friend too couldn't you accommodate obliging word accommodate there's accommodation notes now where one accommodates another with a loan and if he don't pay it pretty quickly accommodates him with a chain to his foot accommodate god forbid that i should ever be accommodated no no look you as i told that cousin german of yours the herb doctor i'm now on the road to get me made some sort of machine to do my work machines for me my cider mill does that ever steal my cider my mowing machine does that ever lay a bed mornings my corn husker does that ever give me insolence no cedar mill mowing machine corn husker all faithfully attend to their business disinterested too no board no wages yet doing good all their lives long shining examples that virtue is its own reward the only practical christians i know oh dear 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 yes sir boys start my soul bolts what a difference in a moral point of view between a corn husker and a boy sir a corn husker for its patient continuance in well-doing might not unfitly go to heaven do you suppose a boy will a corn husker in heaven turning up the whites of his eyes respected sir this way of talking as if heaven were a kind of washington patent office museum oh, oh oh as if mere machine work and puppet work went to heaven oh 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 things incapable of free agency to receive the eternal reward of well-doing oh 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 you praise god barebones you what are you groaning about did i say anything of that sort seems to me though you talk so good you're mighty quick at a hint the other way or else you want to pick a polemic quarrel with me it may be so or not respected sir was now the demure reply but if it be it is only because as a soldier out of honor is quick in taking affront so a christian out of religion is quick sometimes perhaps a little too much so in spying heresy well after an astonished pause for an unaccountable pair you and the herb doctor ought to yoke together so saying the bachelor was eyeing him rather sharply when he with the brass plate recalled him to the discussion by a hint not unflattering that he the man with the brass plate 
was all anxiety to hear him further on the subject of servants. "'About that matter,' exclaimed the impulsive bachelor, going off at the hint like a rocket, "'all thinking minds are nowadays coming to the conclusion, one derived from an immense hereditary experience, see what Horace and others of the ancients say of servants, coming to the conclusion, I say, that, boy or man, the human animal is, for most work purposes, a losing animal, can't be trusted.' less trustworthy than oxen for conscientiousness a turnspit dog excels him hence these thousand new inventions carding machines horseshoe machines tunnel boring machines reaping machines apple paring machines boot blacking machines sewing machines shaving machines run of errand machines dumbwaiter machines and the lord only knows what machines all of which announce the era when that refractory animal the working or serving man shall be a buried bygone, a superseded fossil, shortly prior to which glorious time I doubt not that a price will be put upon their peltries as upon the knavish possums, especially the boys. Yes, sir, ringing his rifle down on the deck, I rejoice to think that the day is at hand when, prompted to it by law, I shall shoulder this gun and go out of boy shooting. Oh, now, Lord, Lord, Lord! our office respected sir conducted as i ventured to observe no sir bristlingly settling his stubble chin in his coonskins don't try to oil me the herb doctor tried that my experience carried now through a course worse than salivation a course of five and thirty boys proves to me that boyhood is a natural state of rascality save us save us yes sir yes my name is pitch i stick to what i say i speak from fifteen years experience five and thirty boys american irish english german african mulatto not to speak of that china boy sent me by one who well knew my perplexities from california and that last score boy from bombay thug i found him sucking the embryo life from my spring eggs all rascals sir every soul of them caucasian or mongol amazing the endless variety of rascality in human nature of the juvenile sort i remember that having discharged one after another twenty-nine boys each too for some wholly unforeseen species of viciousness peculiar to that one peculiar boy i remember saying to myself now then surely i have got to the end of the list wholly exhausted it i have only now to get me a boy any boy different from those twenty-nine preceding boys and he infallibly shall be that virtuous boy i have so long been seeking but bless me the thirtieth boy by the way having at the time long forsworn your intelligence offices i had him sent to me from the commissioners of emigration all the way from new york called out carefully in fine at my particular request from a standing army of eight hundred boys the flowers of all nations so they wrote me temporarily in barracks on an east river island i say this thirtieth boy was in person not ungraceful his deceased mother a lady's maid or something of that sort and in manner why in such a plebeian way a perfect chesterfield very intelligent too quick as a flash but such suavity please sir please sir always bowing and saying please sir in the strangest way, too, combining a filial affection with a menial respect. Took such warm, singular interest in my affairs, wanted to be considered one of the family. Sort of adopted son of mine, I suppose. 
of a morning when i would go out to my stable with what childlike good nature he would trot out my nag please sir i think he's getting fatter and fatter but he don't look very clean does he unwilling to be downright harsh with so affectionate a lad and he seems a little hollow inside the haunch there don't he or no perhaps i don't see plain this morning oh please sir it's just there i think he's gaining so please polite scamp i soon found he never gave that wretched nag his oats of nights didn't bet him either was above that sort of chambermaid work no end to his wilful neglects but the more he abused my service the more polite he grew oh sir some way you mistook him not a bit of it besides sir he was a boy who under a chesterfieldian exterior he had strong destructive propensities he cut up my horse blanket for the bits of leather for hinges to his chest denied it point blank after he was gone found the shreds under his mattress would slyly break his hoe handle too on purpose to get rid of hoeing then be so gracefully penitent for his fatal excess of industrious strength offered to mend it all by taking a nice stroll to the nighest settlement cherry-trees in full bearing all the way to get the broken thing cobbled very politely stole my pears old pennies shillings dollars and nuts regular squirrel at it but i could prove nothing expressed to him my suspicions said i moderately enough a little politeness and a little more honesty would suit me better he fired up threatened to sue me for libel i won't say anything about his afterwards in ohio being found in the act of gracefully putting a bar across a railroad track for the reason that a stoker called him the rogue that he was but enough polite boys or saucy boys white boys or black boys smart boys or lazy boys caucasian boys or mongol boys all are rascals shocking shocking nervously tucking his frayed cravat end out of sight surely respected sir you labor under a deplorable hallucination why pardon again you seem to have not the slightest confidence in boys i admit indeed that boys some of them at least are but too prone to one little foolish foible or other but what then respected sir when by natural laws they finally outgrow such things and wholly having until now vented himself mostly in plaintive descent of canine whines and groans the man with the brass plate seemed beginning to summon courage to a less timid encounter but upon his maiden essay was not very encouragingly handled since the dialogue immediately continued as follows boys outgrow what is amiss in them from bad boys spring good men sir the child is father of the man hence as all boys are rascals so are all men but god bless me you must know these things better than i keeping an intelligence office as you do a business which must furnish peculiar facilities for studying mankind come come up here sir confess that you know these things pretty well after all do you not know that all men are rascals and all boys too sir replied the other spite of his shocked feelings seeming to pluck up some spirit but not to an indiscreet degree sir heaven be praised i am far very far from knowing what you say true he thoughtfully continued with my associates i keep an intelligence office and for ten years come october have one way or other been concerned in that line 
for no small period in the great city of Cincinnati, too. And though, as you hint, within that long interval I must have had more or less favorable opportunity for studying mankind, in a business way, scanning not only the faces, but ransacking the lives of several thousands of human beings, male and female, of various nations, both employers and employed, genteel and ungenteel, educated and uneducated. Yet, of course, I candidly admit, with some random exceptions, I have, so far as my small observation goes, found that mankind thus domestically viewed, confidentially viewed, I may say, they upon the whole, making some reasonable allowances for human imperfection, present as pure a moral spectacle as the purest angel could wish. I say it, respected sir, with confidence. Gammon! You don't mean what you say. Else you are like a landsman at sea. Don't know the ropes, the very things everlastingly pulled before your eyes. Serpent-like they glide about, traveling blocks too subtle for you. In short, the entire ship is a riddle. Why, you green ones wouldn't know if she were unseaworthy. But still, with thumbs stuck back into your armholes, pace the rotten planks, singing like a fool words put into your green mouth by the cunning owner, the man who, heavily insuring it, sends his ship to be wrecked, a wet sheet and a flowing sea. And, sir, now that it occurs to me your talk, the whole of it, is but a wet sheet and a flowing sea, and an idle wind that follows fast, offering a striking contrast to my own discourse. Sir, exclaimed the man with the brass plate, his patience now more or less tasked, permit me with deference to hint that some of your remarks are injudiciously worded. And thus we say to our patrons, when they enter our office full of abuse of us because of some worthy boy we may have sent them, some boy wholly misjudged for the time, Yes, sir, permit me to remark that you do not sufficiently consider that, though a small man, I may have my small share of feelings. Well, well, I didn't mean to wound your feelings at all, and that they are small, very small, I take your word for it. Sorry, sorry, but truth is like a thrashing machine. Tender sensibilities must keep out of the way. Hope you understand me. Don't want to hurt you. All I say is, what I said in the first place, only now I swear it, that all boys are rascals. Sir, lowly replied the other, still forbearing like an old lawyer badgered in court, or else like a good-hearted simpleton, the butt of mischievous wags. Sir, since you come back to the point, will you allow me, in my small, quiet way, to submit to you certain small, quiet views of the subject in hand? Oh, yes, with insulting indifference, rubbing his chin and looking the other way. Oh, yes, go on. Well, then, respected sir, continued the other, now assuming as genteel an attitude as the irritating set of his pinched five-dollar suit would permit. Well, then, sir, the peculiar principles, the strictly philosophical principles, I may say, guardedly rising in dignity as he guardedly rose on his toes, upon which our office has founded, has led me and my associates in our small, quiet way to a careful analytical study of man, conducted, too, on a quiet theory, and with an unobtrusive aim wholly our own. The theory I will not now at large set forth, but some of the discoveries resulting from it I will, by your permission, very briefly mention, 
such of them i mean as refer to the state of boyhood scientifically viewed then you have studied the thing expressly studied boys eh why didn't you out with that before sir in my small business way i have not conversed with so many masters gentlemen masters for nothing i have been taught that in this world there is a precedence of opinions as well as of persons you have kindly given me your views i am now with modesty about to give you mine stop flunking go on in the first place sir our theory teaches us to proceed by analogy from the physical to the moral are we right there sir now sir take a young boy a young male infant rather a man-child in short what sir i respectfully ask do you in the first place remark a rascal sir present and prospective a rascal sir if passion is to invade surely science must evacuate may i proceed well then what in the first place in a general view do you remark respected sir in that male baby or man-child the bachelor privily growled but this time upon the whole better governed himself than before though not indeed to the degree of thinking it prudent to risk an articulate response what do you remark i respectfully repeat but as no answer came only the low half-suppressed growl as of bruin in a hollow trunk the questioner continued well sir if you will permit me in my small way to speak for you you remark respected sir an incipient creation loose sort of sketchy thing a little preliminary rag-paper study or careless cartoon so to speak of a man the idea you see respected sir is there but as yet wants filling out in a word respected sir the man-child is at present but little every way i don't pretend to deny it but then he promises well does he not yes promises very well indeed i may say so too we say to our patrons in reference to some noble little youngster objected to for being a dwarf but to advance one step further extending his threadbare leg as he drew a pace nearer we must now drop the figure of the rag-paper cartoon and borrow one to use presently when wanted from the horticultural kingdom some bud lily bud if you please now such points as the new-born man-child has as yet not all that could be desired i am free to confess still such as they are there they are and palpable as those of an adult but we stop not there taking another step the man-child not only possesses these present points small though they are but likewise now our horticultural image comes into play like the bud of the lily he contains concealed rudiments of others that is points at present invisible with beauties at present dormant come come this talk is getting too horticultural and beautiful altogether cut it short cut it short respected sir with a rustily martial sort of gesture like a decayed corporal's when deploying into the field of discourse the vanguard of an important argument much more in evolving the grand central forces of a new philosophy of boys as i may say surely you will kindly allow scope adequate to the movement in hand small and humble in its way as that movement may be 
is it worth my while to go on respected sir yes stop flunking and go on thus encouraged again the philosopher with the brass plate proceeded supposing sir that worthy gentleman in such terms to an applicant for service we allude to some patron we chance to have in our eye supposing respected sir that worthy gentleman adam to have been dropped overnight in eden as a calf in the pasture supposing that sir then how could even the learned serpent himself have foreknown that such a downy-chinned little innocent would eventually rival the goat in a beard sir wise as the serpent was that eventuality would have been entirely hidden from his wisdom i don't know about that the devil is very sagacious to judge by the event he seems to have understood man better than even the being who made him oh, for god's sake don't say that sir to the point can it now with fairness be denied that in his beard the man-child prospectively possesses an appendix not less imposing than patriarchal and for this goodly beard should we not by generous anticipation give the man-child even in his cradle credit should we not now sir respectfully i put it yes if like pigweed he mows it down soon as it shoots porcinely rubbing his stubble chin against his coon-skins i have hinted at the analogy continued the other calmly disregardful of the digression now to apply it suppose a boy evince no noble quality then generously give him credit for his prospective one don't you see so we say to our patrons when they would fain return a boy upon us as unworthy madam or sir as the case may be has this boy a beard no has he we respectfully ask as yet evinced any noble quality no indeed then madam or, or sir take him back we humbly beseech and keep him till that same noble quality sprouts for we have confidence it like the beard is in him very fine theory scornfully exclaimed the bachelor yet in secret perhaps not entirely undisturbed by these strange new views of the matter but what trust is to be placed in it the trust of perfect confidence sir to proceed once more if you please regard the man-child hold paul like thrusting out his bearskin arm don't intrude that man-child upon me too often he who loves not bread dotes not on dough as little of your man-child as your logical arrangements will admit a new regard the man-child with inspired intrepidity repeated he with the brass-plate in the perspective of his developments i mean at first the man-child has no teeth but about the sixth month am i right sir don't know anything about it to proceed then though at first deficient in teeth about the sixth month the man-child begins to put forth in that particular and sweet those tender little puttings forth are very but blown out of his mouth directly worthless enough admitted and therefore we say to our patrons returning with a boy alleged not only to be deficient in goodness but redundant in ill the lad madam or sir evinces very corrupt qualities does he 
no end to them but have confidence there will be for pray madam in this lad's early childhood were not those frail first teeth then his followed by his present sound even beautiful and permanent set and the more objectionable those first teeth became was not that madam we respectfully submit so much the more reason to look for their speedy substitution by the present sound even beautiful and permanent ones true true can't deny that then madam take him back we respectfully beg and wait till in the now swift course of nature dropping those transient moral blemishes you complain of he replacingly buds forth in the sound even beautiful and permanent virtues very philosophical again was the contemptuous reply the outward contempt perhaps proportioned to the inward misgiving vastly philosophical indeed but tell me to continue your analogy since the second teeth followed in fact came from the first is there no chance the blemish may be transmitted not at all abating in humility as he gained in the argument the second teeth follow but do not come from the first successors not sons the first teeth are not like the germ blossom of the apple at once the father of and incorporated into the growth of its foreruns but they are thrust from their place by the independent undergrowth of the succeeding set an illustration by the way which shows more for me than i meant though not more than i wish what does it show surly looking as a thundercloud with the inkept unrest of unacknowledged conviction it shows this respected sir that in the case of any boy especially an ill one to apply unconditionally the saying that the child is father of the man is besides implying an uncharitable aspersion of the race affirming a thing very wide of your analogy like a snapping turtle yes respected sir but is analogy argument you are a punster punster respected sir with a look of being aggrieved yes you pun with ideas as another man may with words oh well sir whoever talks in that strain whoever has no confidence in human reason whoever despises human reason in vain to reason with him still respected sir altering his air permit me to hint that had not the force of analogy moved you somewhat you would hardly have offered to condemn it talk away disdainfully but pray tell me what has that last analogy of yours to do with your intelligence office business everything to do with it respected sir from that analogy we derive the reply made to such a patron as shortly after being supplied by us with an adult servant proposes to return him upon our hands not that while with the patron said adult has given any cause of dissatisfaction but the patron has just chanced to hear something unfavorable concerning him from some gentleman who employed said adult long before while a boy to which too fastidious person we taking said adult by the hand and graciously reintroducing him to the patron say far be it from you madam or sir to proceed in your censure against this adult in anything of the spirit of an ex post facto law madam or sir would you visit upon the butterfly the caterpillar 
in the natural advance of all creatures do they not bury themselves over and over again in the endless resurrection of better and better madam or sir take back this adult he may have been a caterpillar but is now a butterfly pon away but even excepting your analogical pun, what does it amount to? Was the caterpillar one creature, and is the butterfly another? The butterfly is the caterpillar in a gaudy cloak, stripped of which there lies the impostor's long spindle of a body, pretty much worm-shaped as before. You reject the analogy. To the facts, then, you deny that a youth of one character can be transformed into a man of an opposite character. Now then, yes, I have it. There's the founder of La Trappe and Ignatius Loyola. In boyhood and some way into manhood, both devil-may-care bloods, and yet, in the end, the wonders of the world for anti-coritish self-command. These two examples, by the way, we cite to such patrons as would hastily return rakish young waiters upon us. Madam or sir, patience, patience, we say, good madam or sir would you discharge forth your cask of good wine because while working it riles more or less then discharge not forth this young waiter the good in him is working but he is a sad rake therein is his promise the rake being crude material for the saint ah you are a talking man what i call a wordy man you talk talk and with submission sir what is the greatest judge bishop or prophet but a talking man he talks talks it is the peculiar vocation of a teacher to talk what's wisdom itself but table talk the best wisdom in this world and the last spoken by its teacher did it not literally and truly come in the form of table talk you 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 rattling down his rifle to shift the subject since we cannot agree pray what is your opinion respected sir of st augustine st augustine what should i or you either know of him seems to me for one in such a business to say nothing of such a coat that though you don't know a great deal indeed yet you know a good deal more than you ought to know or then you have a right to know, or then it is safe or expedient for you to know, or then, in the fair course of life, you could have honestly come to know. I am of opinion you should be served like a Jew in the Middle Ages with his gold. This knowledge of yours, which you haven't enough knowledge to know how to make a right of, it should be taken from you. And so I have been thinking all along. You are merry, sir. But you have a little looked into St. Augustine, I suppose? St. Augustine on original sin is my textbook. But you, I ask again, where do you find time or inclination for these out-of-the-way speculations? In fact, your whole talk, the more I think of it, is altogether unexampled and extraordinary. Respected sir, have I not already informed you that the quite new method, the strictly philosophical one, on which our office is founded, has led me and my associates to an enlarged study of mankind? It was my fault if I did not likewise hint 
that these studies directed always to the scientific procuring of good servants of all sorts boys included for the kind gentlemen our patrons that these studies i say have been conducted equally among all books of all libraries as among all men of all nations then you rather like st augustine sir excellent genius in some points he was yet how comes it that under his own hand st augustine confesses that until his thirtieth year he was a very sad dog a saint a sad dog not the saint but the saint's irresponsible little forerunner the boy all boys are rascals and so are all men again flying off at his tangent my name is pitch i stick to what i say ah sir permit me when i behold you on this mild summer's eve thus eccentrically clothed in the skins of wild beasts i cannot but conclude that the equally grim and unsuitable habit of your mind is likewise but an eccentric assumption having no basis in your genuine soul no more than in nature herself well really now really fidgeted the bachelor not unaffected in his conscience by these benign personalities really really now i don't know but that i may have been a little bit too hard upon these five-and-thirty boys of mine glad to find you a little softening sir who knows now but that flexile gracefulness however questionable at the time of that thirtieth boy of yours might have been the silky husk of the most solid qualities of maturity it might have been with him as with the ear of the indian corn yes 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 excitedly cried the bachelor as the light of this new illustration broke in yes yes now that i think of it how often i've sadly watched my indian corn in may wondering whether such sickly half-eaten sprouts could ever thrive up into the stiff stately spear of august a most admirable reflection sir and you have only according to the analogical theory first started by our office to apply it to that thirtieth boy in question and see the result had you but kept that thirtieth boy been patient with his sickly virtues cultivated them hoed round them why what a glorious garden would have been yours when at last you should have had a saint augustine for an ostler really really well i am glad i didn't send him to jail as at first i intended oh that would have been too bad grant he was vicious the petty vices of boys are like the innocent kicks of colts, as yet imperfectly broken. Some boys know not virtue only for the same reason they know not French. It was never taught them. Established upon the basis of parental charity, juvenile asylums exist by law for the benefit of lads convicted of acts which in adults would have received other requital. Why? Because, do what they will, society, like our office, at bottom has a christian confidence in boys and all this we say to our patrons your patrons sir seem your marines to whom you may say anything said the other relapsing why do knowing employers shun youths from asylums though offered them at the smallest wages all none of your reformado boys 
such a boy respected sir i would not get for you but a boy that never needed reform do not smile for as whooping cough and measles are juvenile diseases and yet some juveniles never have them so there are boys equally free from juvenile vices true for the best of boys measles may be contagious and evil communications corrupt good manners but a boy with a sound mind in a sound body such is the boy i would get you if hitherto sir you have struck upon a peculiarly bad vein of boys so much the more hope now of your hitting a good one that sounds a kind of reasonable as it were a little so really in fact though you have said a great many foolish things very foolish and absurd things yet upon the whole your conversation has been such as might almost lead one less distrustful than i to repose a certain conditional confidence in you i had almost added in your office too now for the humor of it supposing that even i i myself really had this sort of conditional confidence though but a grain what sort of a boy in sober fact could you send me and what would be your fee conducted replied the other somewhat loftily rising now in eloquence as his proselyte for all his pretenses sunk in conviction conducted upon principles involving care learning and labor exceeding what is usual in kindred institutions the philosophical intelligence office is forced to charge somewhat higher than customary briefly our fee is three dollars in advance as for the boy by a lucky chance i have a very promising little fellow now in my eye a very likely little fellow indeed honest as the day is long might trust him with untold millions such at least were the marginal observations on the phrenological chart of his head submitted to me by the mother how old just fifteen tall stout uncommonly so for his age his mother remarked industrious the busy bee the bachelor fell into a troubled reverie at last with much hesitancy he spoke do you think now candidly that i say candidly candidly could i have some small limited some faint conditional degree of confidence in that boy candidly now candidly you could a sound boy a good boy never knew one more so the bachelor fell into another irresolute reverie then said well now you have suggested some rather new views of boys and men too upon those views in the concrete i at present decline to determine nevertheless for the sake purely of a scientific experiment i will try that boy i don't think him an angel mind no no but i'll try him there are my three dollars and here is my address send him along this day two weeks hold you'll be wanting the money for his passage there handing it somewhat reluctantly ah thank you i had forgotten his passage then altering in manner and gravely holding the bills continued 
respected sir never willingly do i handle money not with perfect willingness nay with a certain alacrity paid either tell me that you have a perfect and unquestioning confidence in me never mind the boy now or permit me respectfully to return these bills put em up put em up uh, thank you confidence is the indispensable basis of all sorts of business transactions without it commerce between man and man as between country and country would like a watch run down and stop and now supposing that against present expectation the lad should after all evince some little undesirable trait do not respected sir rashly dismiss him have but patience have but confidence those transient vices will ere long fall out and be replaced by the sound firm even and permanent virtues ah glancing shoreward towards a grotesquely shaped bluff there's the devil's joke as they call it the bell for landing will shortly ring i must go look up the cook i brought for the innkeeper at cairo End of section eleven